0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the greatest radio shows of all time.
2: Suspense!
1: The Shadow Node. Washington... ...calling David Harding, counter-spy... ...classic radio theater... ...the great Gildersleeve... ...Faber McGee and Molly... ...Dragnet... ...Gunsmoke... ...The Lone Ranger...
3: ...now step back into our time machine... ...with your host, Wyatt Cox.
0: Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum.
4: A spooky, spooky show... ...and I was surprised to find when I learned... ...that this show came out of Oklahoma City... I wouldn't expect this kind of show to come out of there. Dark fantasy and the letter from yesterday. This show originally broadcast May 1st, 1942.
3: Letter from yesterday.
2: I beg pardon, miss, but uh, do you happen to have any material at all dealing with the... If you please. Huh? What's that?
3: Will you please lower your voice? What I... And then you might read the sign over there. Or shall I read it for you? Absolute quiet required in this library.
2: My, but you read beautifully. But I, I wonder Will if...
3: you please lower your voice?
2: Oh, oh, sure. Uh, I, I I, mean, oh, sure,
3: sure. I'll be more than happy to help you. But you simply can't disturb the others here in the library. I see.
2: Well, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, excuse me, everyone. Oh. I didn't mean to disturb you, Will folks. You please, please, be quiet? Well, good heavens, ma'am, I, I just wanted to apologize. That's quite unnecessary.
3: Now... <laughs> May I help you?
2: Well, I hope you can. I'm looking for some literature on hydrokinetics. Um, Don't suppose a Hick Library like this would have anything like that, though.
3: You're a stranger in Jackson City, aren't you?
2: That's right. Uh, How did you know?
3: I know most of the people in town. And besides, folks who live here never refer to the town as having a Hick Library. Oh,
2: now look. No offense intended. But after all, I I don't expect too much from a 2 before place that... Probably doesn't have much more to offer than the encyclopedia and a, and a couple of copies of the Rover Boys.
3: You said you wished to see something on hydrokinetics.
2: Uh, uh, that's right. Um, hydrokinetics is a branch of kinetics which relates to liquids. Uh, you see, kinetics is the branch of dynamics.
3: Do that... you wish to read Kendall, <clears throat> Johnson, Abernathy, or Sandine on the subject? What? What's that? I said which author do you wish to consult? Those four seem to be the authorities, but some engineers like Alexander and Bowen.
2: Well, look here. Are you serious? Serious? Uh, About having books by Johnson and and Kendall and Sandine and Abernathy on the theory of hydrokinetics.
3: Will you follow me, please?
2: Yes, certainly.
3: Turn on that light if you wish. It's a little dark in here
2: today. Uh, Yes, all right.
3: I think you'll find these quite up to date. I'm sorry that one of the Alexander volumes is out, but it should be back tomorrow.
2: Oh, quite all right. Uh, it's Kendall I'm really after. Uh, here we are. This one.
3: That was played sometime last year, I believe.
2: Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, Kendall is propounding a new theory on hydraulics. I read it when I was in New York.
3: I'm glad you didn't have to go back into the city to find what you wanted. No,
2: I... Oh, look Here. I owe you another apology, don't I? No,
3: please don't bother.
2: Oh, but it's no bother.
3: You may use any of the tables over there.
2: Yes, but I'd
3: like... You'll find the one by the window quite good.
2: Hmm. Sensitive. Cute, too. Yeah, darn cute. Oh, well. Well, let's see. Kendall says when an ounce of plain lubricating oil is introduced into... Hmm, I wonder what her name is. First one, I mean. Nameplate on the desk says, uh, Miss Marshall. Well, that's interesting. Miss Marshall. Oh, well. Now, <clears throat> well, as I remember reading about it three months ago, Kendall says that if you introduce... One ounce of common lubricating oil into a cylinder two inches in diameter and four inches in height. <clears throat> Pretty girl. Wonder why I can't get her off my mind. Wonder where she lives. Oh, confound it. Well <clears throat> then, according to Kendall, if an ultraviolet ray is permitted to cross the cylinder. At the time, pressures applied to the top, the result were... I wonder what a good-looking girl like her is doing in Jackson City. She's smart, too. I just mentioned hydrokinetics, and she reeled off the four top authorities like she was a student on the subject. I wonder what she's doing tonight. Well, hang it all up. I say, uh, Miss Marshall, oh, I I say, Miss Marshall.
3: Yes, what is uh,
2: it? Would it be possible for me to check this book out?
3: I'm very sorry, but I'm afraid not.
2: Well, it's really quite important. I'm an inventor, and I'm just on the verge of a very important discovery. I simply must have this book to use. I'm sorry. Perhaps you should
3: buy a copy.
2: Oh, I've tried that. Everywhere in town, there's none I can get a hold of.
3: You could have one sent out from New York.
2: I can't wait that long. I have to work on this thing while it's running through my head. It's very important. I might lose the whole idea by the time a copy came out of New York.
3: I'm sorry. It's quite against the rules to permit anyone to take out a book without a library card.
2: Well, suppose I take a card. Uh, How much?
3: Oh, there's no charge, but you must have a property owner sign your application.
2: Property owner? Application?
3: Yes. Someone who can pay for the book in the event that it's lost and who's willing to personally guarantee your honesty must sign your application. Then your card will be ready within 48 hours.
2: Oh, now look, that's worse yet. I'm sorry. This isn't any way to treat a Jackson City guest, you know.
3: I'd like to help you. Really, I would. Would you? Really? Yes, I... I would, but I can't break the rules.
2: Now, wait a minute. I've got it. Yes? Yes? Your place. What? Uh, your place, your your home, uh, wherever you live. You mean... I mean you can take the book out yourself. You take it home. Then I'll come by tonight and use it there.
3: That's not very clever, Mr. Mr. Whoever you are. Uh, Chase. Adam Chase. And not very original, either.
2: Well, there aren't any new ideas. At least give me credit for picking one that's not too bad. <laughs> are you serious about the book? A word of honor, ma'am. I need that book right now, like anything. Seriously? Seriously. Well, then I I just might be able to help you. Would you really? I might. Uh, tell me, can you take dictation? A little. Ah, good. You can help me. Uh, that is, if you'd like to.
3: I might.
2: I'll be glad to pay you. <laughs> well, we'll see. You'll do it? You'll take the book home and let me study it there?
3: Yes, I'll, I'll take it home.
2: Ah, good. Uh, where do you live? You won't have any trouble
3: finding me. Just ask anyone for Cicely Marshall.
2: Did you say uh, Cecily Marshall?
3: Yes. What about it?
2: Well nothing. I, I, I just like it. It it happens to be one of my favorite names. Um what time? Tonight. Uh
3: huh. Oh, any time after seven thirty.
2: Good. How's seven thirty two?
3: You better go now. We're beginning to disturb the folks you're trying to study. Yeah.
2: All right. See you tonight. Now, just a minute. Yes? I've got to consult Kendall again. Hold on there a second.
3: <laughs> Do you really think this invention will prove itself?
2: Well, I'm not exactly an expert, but the idea seems sound. Wait a minute now. Let's see. Oh, yes. Here. Find it? Uh-huh. Now, will you take this down? Mm-hmm. Kendall. Volume one, page seventy-four, it has been my observation that hydraulic reaction often can be obtained through the use of a common water tumbler immersed in H2O, uh, that's water. <laughs> oh, confound it. There I go again, treating you like a child. You probably know more about this entire subject than I do without my explaining chemical symbols.
3: <laughs> don't you think we'd better call it a night?
2: No, it's early.
3: It's 1 a.m.
2: No, it couldn't be. <laughs>
3: well, it is, though, see?
2: Oh, brother, I'll bet I'm popular around this place from now on.
3: <laughs> oh, it's all right. I really enjoyed it. Mister, you were serious there in the library, weren't yes, you? Yes,
2: rather. I don't mind saying my complete future is probably tied up in this thing right now. If it's what I think it's going to be, I'm due to make a fortune out of it. I hope you do. Well, thanks. Uh, Why?
3: Oh, I like to know people who are successful. Besides, my father was an inventor.
2: Was he really?
3: Yes. He was a brilliant man. He had an invention. I, I never did quite understand what it was. It was before he was married. Someone filed for the patents just a few hours before he did. And he lost out.
2: Someone stole his invention?
3: No. No, it was just a coincidence. But my father was never the same after that. Something happened. I don't know what. I I remember hearing my family talk about it in whispers when I was just an infant.
2: Is he still alive?
3: No. No, he's been gone three years. Oh,
2: I'm sorry.
3: He was a fine man. Grand, but... He never got over that whatever it was that happened to him long before I was born.
2: You, you mean there was something more than just the loss of the invention patents?
3: Yes. Something that was, I think, even more tragic. I've never even been able to guess what it was.
2: Maybe it's better that you don't know.
3: Yes. Maybe so.
2: Well, really, I, I should go. It's late.
3: Is there much more to do?
2: Well, yes, I I have to finish these papers before I can have the model of the invention built. Uh, Could I help you more? Would you?
3: I'd love to, really. Tomorrow night? (laughs) Can you wait that long? Well,
2: no, I can't, but I will. May 1st,
4: 1942, Dark Fantasy on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox.
1: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: I hope you enjoy this show. The sad part is the quality isn't what I like, but it is a very good show. May 1st, 1942 dark fantasy in the letter from yesterday.
3: There we are. All finished.
2: Good. Well, now the model's next.
3: How long do you think it will take to build it?
2: Well, at least two weeks. We've been on these papers longer than I thought we'd be. Almost 30 days. I really don't know what I've, I've done without you.
3: Oh, I've enjoyed it.
2: Oh, uh, we can relax now till the model's built. Then I'll have to go to Washington. Uh, what time is it?
3: Oh, it's early. Nine o'clock.
2: Oh, good. Time enough to catch the last show. Uh, that is, if you'd like to go out with me.
3: Like to? Well, I can't think of anything I'd like better. <laughs> your train's leaving, Adam.
2: I'll be back with those patents. You will come back? You'll try to stop me. Oh, goodbye, darling. Natalie. Yes, Adam? Uh, will you marry me when I come back? What? I said, will you marry me? No. When I come back? Oh, yes. Uh, will you ride? Just as soon as I get to Washington. Bye. Goodbye, darling. Bye. <laughs>
3: To my diary, January the 17th, it has been five days since Adam went to Washington. I'll never forget the unromantic but lovable way he asked me to marry him, standing on the steps of the moving train, shouting the question at me above the noise of the engine. How I loved him at that moment how I love him now. But why? Why, oh, why hasn't he written? Five days and not a word from Adam
0: yet.
2: Word has just been received, ladies and gentlemen, that the crack limited from Washington nearing Jackson City less than an hour ago was held up and robbed by unidentified gangsters. The train was flagged down by two men who pretended their car had stalled on the track. The engineer and fireman were shot and killed. All passengers were held at gunpoint, and the mail car was entered and robbed. This train robbery will remind old-timers of the historic and dramatic train robbery on almost the same spot some 50 years ago, or to be exact 53 years ago, January the 17th. There is no indication as to the identification of today's bandits believe
3: please, I want to send this wire to Mr. Adam Chase, Esther Arms Hotel, Washington. Yes, darling, have not heard from you, worried, I love you. Sicily. Hello? Hello. Yes, operator, this is the party calling Washington. Yes, I'm calling Mr. Adam Chase. That's right, at the Esther Arms Hotel. Oh, you have a hotel? Hello. What's that? Checked out two weeks ago. Oh, no, thank you. Just cancel the call. To my diary, April the seventeenth. It has been three months and five days since I last saw Adam Chase. He promised to write immediately from Washington three months ago. He seems to have dropped out of the world. I can't locate him any place. I've just returned from ten days in Washington. Searching. I found nothing. Yes? Come in. Adam.
2: I... I had to come back.
3: Oh, darling. Darling, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. You look so ill, so thin.
2: I guess I shouldn't be here. Since you didn't want me.
3: did you? Didn't want you. Didn't want you. Oh, my darling, what makes you say anything like that?
2: I wrote you about the invention.
3: I didn't get your letter. I haven't heard a word from you.
2: I told you what happened. That I was ruined. Darling. That if you loved me, you'd come to Washington and we'd make it some way.
3: I didn't get it, Adam. I tell you, I didn't get that letter.
2: I waited. You didn't answer. You didn't come. You didn't want to come.
3: Darling, will you listen to me? I didn't get that letter.
2: What? What, Cecily?
3: I didn't get that letter.
2: You didn't get it?
3: No. No, I I waited and waited. I wired you, phoned. I just got back from looking from one end of Washington to another for you. Cecily. Oh, my darling. My darling.
2: I was too late. Just 24 hours too late. Adam. Someone else. Someone from California. Had just filed for the patents to the same invention.
3: Oh, sweetheart.
2: I was just a few hours too late. Oh, but
3: the invention isn't everything.
2: I wrote to you. I told you what happened. I asked you to come to Washington to marry me.
3: I'd have come in a minute.
2: And I thought, no. The thousands of things I thought. Oh,
3: don't think of them anymore. I I
2: had to come back. I couldn't live without you. I had to come back to see you. Just once more.
3: I couldn't live without you, Adam.
2: We'll be married. Promise me we'll be married right
4: away.
3: Right away, darling. Yes, right away. 20th. Adam and I have been married two months today. We're very happy. Somehow, there's something more than just our love for one another that makes us so close to each other.
4: May 1st, 1942. Dark Fantasy on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. The conclusion next, following these important messages from your favorite station. For a very long time, you've heard me talk about my pillow, and of course, the my pillow products are fascinating. My slippers, which are on special right now, uh, all of the sheets and the pillows and the pillowcases, and all the wonderful things. But did you know that uh, American entrepreneurs have gotten together with Mike Liddell to form My Store, a whole line of products uh, made by American entrepreneurs including health products, garden and patio, food and drink if you're a coffee drinker. Check out some of the coffees they have there. Uh, Beauty, bath products, personal care, things for your pets. Check out mystore.com. That is mystore.com. And of course, when you use my promo code, which is Wyatt, that's W-Y-A-T-T, you can save yourself a good bit of money on anything there. Check out mystore.com, promo code Wyatt. I'm Wyatt Cox, you're listening to Classic Radio Theater. Now the conclusion of Dark Fantasy, the letter from yesterday, May first, nineteen forty-two.
3: I can't explain what it is. We've rented a large house, an old one, but it's adorable. And we're planning to actually!
2: Oh, darling! Yes, dear? Come on up here! To the attic, will you?
3: I've stumbled onto something. All right, Adam.
2: Look what I found back among the rafters. What? Well, what in the world is it? Well, it's an old mail sack full of mail. What? Yeah, look. Look here. These letters. None of them have ever been opened.
3: Why, Adam?
2: Dozens of letters, all sealed. All stamped and dated. Look. Look, Cecily. Postmarks. They're all the same. January 17, 1889.
3: But how in the world did they get here in this attic?
2: I don't know. I wanted to run a radio aerial out there on the roof, and I had to crawl way back in the rafters. It was hidden back there up near the roof. It's evidently been there for years. But
3: how did it get there?
2: 53 years ago. 1889. Look at these letters. Addressed to people all over the country. Everett Holton, Detroit. Jessica Young, New York. Paul Reimer, Chicago. Mr. and Mrs. F.C. Halliday. Grady, Pennsylvania. And look. Here's one addressed to President Benjamin Harrison from someone in Maine.
3: Wait a minute, Adam. Oh, look.
2: Huh?
3: This letter. Addressed to Miss Cecily Drew of Youngstown. What? The return address, Mr. Aaron Marshall. My father. He wrote this. I know the handwriting.
2: Cecily Drew was my mother's maiden name. Adam. Yes. Cecily Drew. And she lived in Youngstown.
3: My father? Your mother... Open it.
2: Open it. What? I I said open it. Oh, all right. Oh. What is it?
3: It was my father. Listen. My darling Cecily, I have bad news. I have just learned that someone else has filed for the patent rights to my invention. By some queer trick of fate, another inventor had the same idea as I. Only he has been fortunate enough to get his application for patents into the Bureau ahead of me. I fear all my work has been in vain, all my sacrifice useless. I have nothing to offer you now, my dear, but my love. If you still love me, hurry here to marry me. I shall surely never exist if you don't. All my undying love, Aaron.
2: He wrote that... your father... to my mother.
3: Adam, the train robbery. What? I remember hearing about it on the radio. The train your letter to me was on was robbed. The mail was stolen... And the same thing happened 53 years ago. To your mother... And my father.
2: Only... She believed... He failed to come back to her. And he died. Never knowing she hadn't read his letter.
3: And his letter has been here. Hidden all these long years. Your mother... In my
2: thought Dark fantasy. You have heard the letter from yesterday. Tonight's original tale of dark fantasy by Scott Bishop, originating in the studios of WKY. This is Tom Paxton reminding you to buy United States war bonds and stamps. Dark Fantasy
4: comes to you each Friday night from Oklahoma
2: City. This is the National Broadcasting
4: Company. One heck of a twist at the end. May 1st, 1942, Dark Fantasy, here on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, part two of the five-part years truly Johnny Dollar story, The Calicles Matter. This episode was originally broadcast May 1st, 1956.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for. Johnny Dollar.
5: This is Mrs. David Parsons. Well? I called Mr. Ecker and he told me where you're staying.
0: I was just on my way out to your home, Mrs. Parsons.
5: I'd rather you didn't come to the house, Mr. Dollar. Couldn't I meet you somewhere?
0: Well, sure.
5: Better still, why don't I come by your hotel and pick you up?
0: That'll be all right.
5: Fifteen minutes? Is that too soon? That's
0: fine. Uh, Mrs. Parsons? Yes? Your father-in-law know you're meeting me.
5: If he did, I think he'd kill me.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, number 25, Yardley Boulevard, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Mm -hmm. Item 2, $4.55, one long-distance phone call. To Dave Blaine, Chief Investigator for Eastern Casualty. I explained to him that in spite of our information that David Parsons, Jr. had been missing for 10 days... People in Los Angeles connected with him seemed indifferent or irritated by an investigation. I told him how old man Parsons had tried to throw me out three times when I got around to suggesting that perhaps his son might have flown the coop with some money and bonds. Blaine told me to keep trying and keep on trying to get to the bottom of it. I took him at his word. It was a little after two o'clock when I saw Mrs. Dorothy Parsons pull up in front of the Beverly Hilton lobby. She wore a ribbon to hold her hair back in the convertible. A sundress showed off a pair of well-tanned shoulders. The dark glasses, the cigarette holder, and the smile did the rest in making her a very pretty woman. I suppose I look worried.
5: I keep you waiting long? No, no,
0: no, no, not at all.
5: What's the matter?
0: Oh, I don't know. Yes, I do, too. It, it just struck me. I'm here to see about your missing husband... Now it looks like we're going on a picnic. I
5: think you don't have to wear sackcloth and ashes to do your job, now really, do you?
0: Well, it sometimes helps on a job like this.
5: You disapprove of me, don't you?
0: I disapprove of everybody. I have to, Mrs. Parsons.
5: All the time? Forever?
0: Only until the thing's straightened out.
5: Until you separate the chaff from the wheat, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Where are we going?
5: I thought you might like a drive down by the ocean.
0: I'd rather be facing you across a desk.
5: You shan't do that, Mr. Dollar. I won't allow it. Stop looking so glum. How's that? I don't know. I just don't know. Would you feel any better if you faced me across a luncheon table? That's as close to a desk as I can think of.
0: Yeah, let's try that out. I gave her what I could of a smile and let her think it over. She drove well, keeping her eyes to the road, both hands on the wheel. She was a careful kind. The rearview mirror was adjusted two or three times looking for traffic cops. We went off Sunset Boulevard and onto the road that is set right by the ocean. The sun was shining. The air was warm. And I got to thinking, what business did I have worrying about a missing man on such a nice day? Oh. What is it?
5: Come on. I'm tired of driving. Let's walk along that lovely strip of beach.
0: Oh, uh, now, wait a minute. Mr. Dollar, please.
5: It's such a lovely day in the air. So good. Walk with me. Talk with me. Just a little while, and then we can talk about all these other things, please. I married David when I was not quite 18. He was almost 30. Let me see. That was 14 years ago. 14 years. Go on. He joined his father's firm, and he's been there ever since. We live well, socially, economically. I guess I belong to the keep-your-social-position-in-mind club, don't I?
4: I don't know.
5: What do you think of me?
0: I uh, met you today to talk about your husband, Mrs. Parsons.
5: But I've been talking about my husband. I told you about meeting him, about being married to him. What else is there to tell?
0: Now tell me about missing him.
5: What can I tell you about that?
0: Well, where he is, for one thing. I don't know. Any ideas?
5: No, none.
0: You're so pretty, I almost believe you.
5: Oh, you
0: are a human being. But I don't believe you.
5: I don't care. Tell me how pretty I am.
0: I don't understand you. I didn't understand your father-in-law. David Parsons is missing. No one wants to talk about it, do anything about it, make any moves. Now, what is this?
5: You're cross with me now. Yeah,
0: yeah. For some reason, I'd assume you'd want me to talk to somebody about your husband. You'd want to talk to somebody, too, that you'd, that you'd want him back, want to know if he's well, if he's in trouble. And what happens? You spend an hour on a sunny afternoon showing me your best profile, doing everything, but getting down to the business at hand. I don't get it.
5: I'm sorry. I guess I don't blame you. What is it you want to know?
0: When did you see him last?
5: Last Tuesday morning at breakfast at home. Tell me about him. There's nothing to tell, really. He ate his breakfast, read his paper, put on his coat, kissed me and left. I called his office at noon about something or other and his secretary told me he hadn't come in. I really didn't know he wasn't around. Till Wednesday afternoon, late. How's that? Well, Tuesday night, I I went out with friends. Wednesday, I slept late. I presumed David was in bed when I came in. I didn't look in his bedroom. Wednesday afternoon, Mr. Ecker called and asked to speak to David. Mr. Ecker told me David hadn't been in his office all day Tuesday. I checked his bedroom and his bed hadn't been slept in Tuesday night, so I called my father-in-law.
0: Why didn't you call the police? Why should I? It only seems reasonable to me. Go on.
5: Mr. Parsons told me not to mention the matter to anyone, that he'd take care of it. He hinted... Oh. I'm bad at this, Johnny, because well, you have no idea... Well, I mean, Mr. Parsons Sr. doesn't hint.
0: He's a very blunt person. I met him this morning, yeah.
5: But I'll say he hinted that David might have gone off with someone else.
0: I see. Has he ever disappeared before?
5: Oh, yes, many times. When
0: was the last time?
5: Oh, last fall... For three days he was gone, and before that it was in the spring. He was gone for a matter of five or six days.
0: When he came home on these occasions, uh, what did he say, what did he do? Nothing. Oh, no, I can't believe that. I mean, if he's gone a few days without leaving any kind of word, when he returned he must have had some explanation for it.
5: I suppose he did. He might have said something about getting even, I don't recall. Look at me.
0: Now, this is serious. I'm looking at you. You said you've been married to him 14 years. You said he joined his father's firm shortly after. Yes. What did he do before that?
5: He studied and traveled. Didn't work? He wrote or something, I don't know.
0: What kind of a man is he?
5: He's David Parsons Jr. He's impeccable, brilliant, and honest. As a husband? Aren't you overstepping yourself somewhat?
0: A lot of personal questions will have to be answered about him by someone.
5: He's a very devoted husband and father.
0: Except for those times when he disappears.
5: Except for those times, yes.
0: Do you suppose he'll reappear this time?
5: Yes, of course. Why? Don't you?
0: He's your husband, not mine. Wind's coming up. Oh, yes. Do you like some lunch?
5: I feel very much like going home.
0: All right. Mrs. Parsons. Yes, did you expect me to make love to you out here this afternoon?
5: What kind of question is that?
0: It's to the point. Did you? Yes. Why?
5: It's not a nice question to ask me. I think sometimes I'm quite attractive.
0: Well, I think you must be attractive all the time.
5: Thank you. Why didn't you kiss me?
0: We uh, don't have to go into that. Unless, of course, you want to tell me why you stalled me all afternoon. Do you?
5: Touché, Mr. Dollar.
0: One thing more. When I spoke with you earlier, you asked my advice in this matter. I advised you call the police about your husband. Did you? You know I did. I also advised your father-in-law to do the same thing. He said he'd kill me and himself before he'd call the police in. You said, or I thought you said, you'd call him in anyhow. That you were concerned about your husband and wanted him found. Did I get that wrong?
5: I don't want any police, Mr. Dollar. I don't think they're necessary. David will come back.
0: No police. What made you change your mind? Your father-in-law?
5: You said you only had one more question. I lied.
0: I've got a thousand questions.
5: I should call home.
0: Come on. We walked up to the highway and climbed back into the car. She drove to the nearest filling station and public telephone booth. I waited in the car while she made a phone call. Some high school kids drove up in a jalopy in sweatshirts and jeans. They waved ten pounds of wieners at me for no reason at all and asked me if I'd like to go on a wiener fry. I told them no. An old man with a bamboo fishing pole came in. He dropped a soggy gunny sack on the pavement while he disappeared around at the back. I went over and peeked in. Three pretty good-sized perch smelled out at me. I looked off at the ocean. Just in time to see a pair of surfboard riders catch the creamy top of a roller, climb up on their feet and wave to their girlfriends sitting in the sand. Nothing was wrong with the world. Nothing at all. Life was going on just fine. David Parsons Jr. had been missing 10 days and nothing was wrong at all. I lit up a cigarette. What difference did it make if a man was missing 10 days? Not a bit. Especially to his wife who looked her prettiest when she told me practically nothing about his disappearance. The ashes fell on my lap.
5: I'm sorry I took so terribly long, Mr. Dollar. I had to call my father-in-law's home, too. There was a message for me.
0: Look, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go over your head, your father-in-law's head, everybody's. When I get back in town, I'm going to tell the police about this. I just decided while I was sitting waiting for you.
5: There won't be any need for that. Huh? David's come back. What? He's home. Now, that was the message. You'll be there when we get there. You see, all of your worry was for nothing. You and I, we could have had a perfectly lovely afternoon if we'd known this, couldn't we?
0: If you say so, Mrs. Parsons. You all right, brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah oh. Take it easy. Better give me a hand with her. Can somebody call an ambulance? Yeah, sure. You you take it easy. I'll take care of her until What? What? what is it? I'm sorry, mister. She's dead.
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story.
0: Tomorrow, trouble comes early and stays late. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: First, 1956. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, here on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Thank this station. Support their advertisers. It's their kindness and courtesy that allow us to be with you here on your favorite station. Miss a day? You don't have to miss a single show. All of our shows are available on demand at ClassicRadio.Stream. That's ClassicRadio.Stream, where you can stream our shows Learn about building a classic radio collection of your own. You can find our social media links. You can find lists of places where our shows are available for podcasting, so you can download the shows. Or you can buy me a coffee. That Buy Me a Coffee money helps us maintain our distribution channels and helps us acquire additional classic radio collections. All that at ClassicRadio.Stream. Tell all your friends the greatest radio shows of all time are right here at this spot on the dial. Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox on your favorite radio station.